you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings, book of 1 Kings chapter 10. Again, I'd like to state that it is my privilege to bring the Word of God before you again tonight, and I count it an honor. First Kings chapter 10. We'll begin reading in verse 1. First Kings chapter 10. And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. And she came to Jerusalem with a very great train with camels that bear spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all questions. There was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel, and his cupbearers, and his ascent by which he went up unto the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. And she said to the king, It was a true report that I heard in my own, mine own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed not the words until I came and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Happy are thy men. Happy are these thy servants, which stand continually before thee, and that hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighted in thee, to set thee on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord loved Israel forever, therefore made he thee king to do judgment and justice. And she gave the king an hundred and twenty talents of gold, and of spices very great store, and precious stones. There came no more such abundance of spices as these which the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. In verse 13. And King Solomon gave unto the queen of Sheba all her desire, whatsoever she asked, beside that which Solomon gave her of his royal bounty. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. Let us pray and ask the Lord for His help. Our Father in heaven, we come to Thee, having read Thy Word. Lord, we confess our need for the Holy Spirit to quicken us, to give us understanding. Indeed, to open the understanding of our minds that we may understand the Scriptures. We pray, O Lord, for Thy help as we meditate on Thy Word, as we consider Thy message. We pray, O God, that You will fill each and every one of us with Thy Spirit. O Lord, I beg Thee, fill me with Thy Spirit. Give me help to preach Thy truth. Help me to exalt Christ. Be with each one of Thy people as they hear the message. Fill them with Thy Spirit and give them the help they need to take this message with them, to hear the word of the Lord. Father, we pray, bless thy word to our souls and help us, for we ask in Christ's name. Amen. We are told in Luke 24, verse 27 and 44 through 45, that there is, to some degree, something revealed concerning Christ in every part of the Bible. I don't think I have to argue that point with you. Those verses state it clearly, that there's something of Christ in every part of the Bible. And I submit to you that the passage we've just read is an account of the Queen of Sheba's conversion to Christ an account of the Queen of Sheba's conversion to Christ. I base that interpretation on the record here in this passage and on Christ's testimony concerning this woman. 
So I'd like to consider those two things with you just to establish that this is her conversion to Christ. And so we consider Christ's testimony concerning her in Luke chapter 11. If you'll turn to Luke chapter 11 just for a moment so we can see our Savior's own testimony concerning this woman. In Luke chapter 11, Christ preaching to the Pharisees. And he makes this statement concerning the temple, concerning the prophet Jonah, and then concerning Solomon. And he uses the queen of Sheba to make his point. And so in Luke eleven thirty one, 31, Christ says, The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the utmost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. This is our Savior's testimony of her, that she will rise up in the judgment and condemn those that have rejected Christ because she came to Solomon from the utmost parts of the earth And behold, the greater than Solomon has come. This is what he considers her testimony. Solomon prayed in 1 Kings 8, 59 and 60. In his great prayer of 1 Kings 8, he says, And let these my words, wherewith I have made supplication before the Lord, be nigh unto the Lord our God day and night, that he maintain the cause of his servant, and the cause of his people Israel at all times. What is that cause? As the matter shall require that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God, and that there is none else. Solomon prayed that the people over all the earth would know that the Lord, he is God. And so as Christ states of this queen of the south, coming from the utmost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here, I I submit to you that she came to Solomon and found the greater than Solomon, typified in him. Because of the use that he makes of her testimony, I think this is further established. Because he says that she shall rise up in the judgment. What judgment is Christ referring to? In the judgment of men, at the end of the age, at the end of the world, when when God judges all men, she shall rise up in the judgment. Now, if she was to be considered outside of Christ, what business would she have rising up in the judgment to condemn those that rejected Christ. She shall rise up and condemn them because they had greater opportunity than she did. Because they had greater knowledge of the greater than Solomon. And yet I submit to you that she knew the greater than Solomon. So it's because of our Lord's testimony But then in light of our Lord's testimony, it's because of what you find in this passage. The record in 1 Kings 10, if you'll turn back there. You see this record gives us a great deal to consider about what happened when this woman came to Solomon. Despite those who would say that she came with animosity in her heart and all these various different things that some men have written about her, As other men rightly recognize, this woman came to Solomon to learn about the Lord. And so I just want to examine this passage with you you, to show you that she came to Christ when she came to Solomon. I want you to see her motive for coming in verse 1. And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. Not just the fame of Solomon, but the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. When she had heard that, she came to prove him with hard questions. 
That was her motive for coming, to learn about the name of the Lord. Well, how did she hear about the name of the Lord? It's an obvious question from that. How did she hear? Well, if you back up to verse 26 of chapter 9, it says, And King Solomon made a navy of ships in Ezion Geber, which is beside Eloth on the shore of the Red Sea in the land of Edom. And Hiram sent in the navy of his servants, shipmen that had knowledge of the sea with the servants of Solomon. And they came to Ophir and fetched from thence gold 420 talents and brought it to King Solomon. And so the theory is that as these nav- this navy of ships was sent out, that Solomon's fame was spread by these men going around to all the various lands, sailing the seas, and that this is how the queen heard of the fame of Solomon. The fact that she came shows us the, re- the, the genuineness of her motive. This woman would not have come to merely learn simple things about Solomon, to merely learn hard questions to be answered, as some people say. She could have not bothered, but something possessed her to pursue this report and see if it was true. She says in verse 6, and she said to the king, it was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. A true report. She came to hear that report. She came to learn about the knowledge of the Lord from Solomon. So that's her motive for coming. Then we see her experience. And her experience helps us to see that something much more happened to this woman than just a, a coming and learning a couple things and leaving. Her experience we can see from verse 2. She came to Jerusalem with a very great train with camels that bear spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. We can see there that even if this woman came with with some questions of of general knowledge that she, she wanted answered, at the end... She communed with him of all that was in her heart. And you can see the picture. This woman beginning to ask just general questions about Solomon's kingdom, about his wisdom. But you can see it progressing to the point where she pours out her heart and communes with him of all that was in her heart, all that she was struggling with, all that she wanted to understand about the name of the Lord. So we can see in verse 3 that her heart was satisfied as a part of her experience. Her heart was satisfied. She communed with him of all that was in her heart, and Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. All that was in her heart. Her heart was satisfied from communing with Solomon. And we can see that her eyes were opened, that that was a part of her experience. In verses 4 and 5 it says, And when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom, and the house that he had built, and the meat of his table, and the sitting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers, and their apparel, and his cupbearers, and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. And that idea of there was no more spirit in her is that it took her breath away. She was amazed by what she saw. She was amazed by her experience in Solomon's kingdom. We can see that her expectations were exceeded. In verse 6 through 7, her expectations were exceeded. Because she says in verse 6, And she said to the king, It was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed not the words until I came and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. The half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Her expectations were exceeded. She came 
to find out about this report about Solomon. She came and the, she found out that the half was not told her. And so what was her conclusion? Because we see her motive, we see her experience, and we see her conclusion. And this all helps us to see that something happened to this woman when she came and had this encounter with Solomon. Her conclusion, in verse 8 and 9, her conclusion was praise. Happy are thy men, and happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee, and that hear thy wisdom. Praise. Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighted in thee to set thee on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore made he thee king to do judgment and justice. She praises God that Solomon is on the throne. Now we understand that Solomon was not a perfect man. That he fell. But we know that the greater Solomon will never fall. That his kingdom is forever. And I tell you, this woman learned from Solomon the typical significance of all that she saw. Everything she saw in verse 5. Everything she experienced in this journey. She learned about the greater than Solomon. And all the significance that that had for her soul. So her conclusion was praise. Her conclusion was to offer. Not only to offer praise, but to offer all that she had. Verse 10, And she gave the king an hundred and twenty talents of gold and of spices very great store and precious stones. There came no more such abundance of spices as these which the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. All that she'd brought with her, she just gave it to the king. She couldn't resist giving it to him. And some estimate that it was over two million dollars worth of goods that this woman gave to King Solomon. So her conclusion was to praise, it was to offer all that she had, and it was to ask King Solomon for all the desires of her heart. Verse 13, And, and King Solomon gave unto the Queen of Sheba all her desire, whatsoever she asked, beside that which Solomon gave her of his royal bounty. And the conclusion there is that she left with more than she came with. She left with more than she came with. And so why do, I, why do I bring you here this evening? Why are we here in this passage considering this? We are here this evening because as I said, this is an account of a sinner coming to faith in Christ. There are many lost sinners in this world. Many lost sinners in this world who think that Christ will not or cannot satisfy them, cannot satisfy their soul, can't satisfy their needs. There are even people who grow up in the church under the ministry of the preaching of the gospel, and yet they still refuse to come to Christ because they think that there's something out there better than Him. Maybe there's somebody here tonight who thinks there's something out there better than Christ. I submit to you this woman is an example of a sinner coming to Christ and finding satisfaction in Him. Finding all that she needed in Him. And the passage before us provides insight into the details for what it is like for a sinner when they by faith come to Christ the greater than Solomon. When a sinner comes to Christ, they will enjoy and experience all the satisfaction for the soul that is offered in Christ. If you are here tonight and you don't know Christ, if you haven't experienced the satisfaction to be found in Him, if you think that you're going to go find something else that's going to satisfy your soul, 
I beg you in Christ's name, listen to this message. Come to Christ and find satisfaction for your soul. I want to speak to you from this passage about a sinner coming to Christ. A sinner coming to Christ. Because the doctrine we learn from this passage is that when a sinner comes to Christ, they will be satisfied with Christ. They will be satisfied with Christ. They will not be disappointed. And that's the conclusion you come to when you read the account of the Queen of Sheba coming to this Solomon, learning of the greater than Solomon. You see satisfaction in her. Satisfaction with Christ. And the first thing I want us to consider is that sinners will be satisfied by Christ's counsel. Sinners will be satisfied by Christ's counsel. You see that in verses 1 through 3. Because she came to Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. She came to him desiring to have her questions answered, to open her heart concerning what she needed to know about the name of the Lord, what she had heard concerning the name of the Lord. And, she, she came, and so she came to prove him with hard questions. And as I've already said, you see the picture of this leading from the general, the surface, to the deep, to the specific problems of her heart. Because it would be utterly foolish for us to believe that when it says she communed with him of all that was in her heart, that she didn't speak, speak to him concerning spiritual things, spiritual troubles that she faced. And so we see that sinners will be satisfied by Christ's counsel as this woman was. Because he provides counsel for the head and counsel for the heart. And when I say counsel for the head, I mean that Christ helps people with their struggles. That it is not an impractical thing to come to Christ. This woman had problems in her life to some degree. What they were, I don't know. What yours are, I don't know. But I know that Christ's counsel is what you need for your life. But not only is it what you need for your life, it's what you need for your heart. And that's what this woman came to understand. So it was Christ's counsel for the heart. Because she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all questions. There was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. And we need to understand something about Solomon and how he typifies Christ in this way. And we turn back to 1 Kings 4, just a couple pages back. You'll see what God had given to Solomon. Because Solomon had prayed for wisdom. That he'd asked God to give him wisdom above all things. And we read in 1 Kings 4, 29, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much, and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country, and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, than Ethan, the Ezrahite, and Haman, and Calchol, and Dardan, the sons of Mahol. And his fame was in all nations round about. We see here that Solomon's wisdom was greater than any of the wise men of his day. And so, as we consider Solomon as a type of Christ, as we consider the, the parallel that Christ is drawing, saying he's the greater than Solomon, we can understand something about the counsel that is provided for sinners in Christ. In Colossians 2, 3, we read, In whom are hid, referring to Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The wisdom of Christ far exceeds any wisdom that Solomon ever had. And it is by that wisdom, the wisdom of Christ revealed in His Word, that He counsels the heart of needy sinners. 
The sinners will be satisfied with Christ's counsel. Because Christ's wisdom is the only wisdom in this world that can satisfy a sinner. The wisdom of this world, no matter how attractive it may be, can only pale in comparison to the wisdom of Christ. We see something of this in John 7, 45 and 46. The soldiers returning to the Pharisees after having been sent to arrest Jesus, and they come, and it says, Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why have ye not brought him? The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. There's no man that speaks like Christ to the sinner's soul. So what is the sinner to do? The sinner who desires something of the knowledge of God, if you feel God putting it on you tonight, laying it to your heart that you need to come to Christ, you need to open up His Word. You need to hear the wisdom of Christ. You need to hear the call of Christ for you to come to Him. You need to hear His counsel for your soul. Not only will sinners be satisfied by Christ's counsel, sinners will be satisfied by Christ's character. Because when sinners come to Christ, they will come to one whose character is perfect. Far beyond that of Solomon's. But Solomon typifies, typifies it for, for us here in this passage. We see that in verses 4 through 5. Sinners will be satisfied by Christ's character. Because His character is evident by what He builds. By what He's built, should I say. Because it says in verse 4, When the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built... Christ's character is evident by what he has built, as Solomon's was. Because the queen of Sheba could see by what Solomon had built something of his wisdom and of his character. She saw the majesty of his house. Now, Solomon built a house and a temple, and we can see in that a parallel to the greater than Solomon building the house of God. We find that parallel in the New Testament, do we not? In Hebrews chapter 3, we read a glorious statement concerning the building of God's house by Christ. We read in Ephesians 3, verse 3, For this man, that is Christ, was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. Verse 6, but Christ as a son over his own house. Whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end? So what do I mean when I say that it's, his character is evident by what he's built? I mean that as a sinner looks at the work of Christ and how he has built his church, how he has saved a body of people, that they see his character. His grace and His mercy. It's also evident by the activity of His kingdom. It's evident by the activity of His kingdom in verse 5. Because the queen of Sheba says, it says of her that after she had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built, and the meat of his table, and the sitting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers, and their apparel, and his cupbearers, and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. It's evident by the activity of his kingdom. So what, what are all these things going on here? And I don't believe I'm taking liberty with this passage. This gives us substance of what it is like for a sinner to come to Christ. And this, in verse 5, is a picture of the activity of Christ's kingdom. So what do we see here? We see the meat of His table. The meat of His table. 
the meat of his table that Solomon provided for his servants, provided for the citizens of his kingdom, the citizens of his house. And what do we see there regarding Christ, the greater than Solomon? What did she see there? What was explained to her concerning the greater than Solomon's kingdom? I suggest to you that the meat of his table refers to the spiritual provision that Christ makes for his people. The spiritual provision. She saw the meat of his table. And this all speaks to his character. And can you help but have your mind drawn to the table of the Lord? The very table where Christ has bid his people to come and dine upon him by faith. To take of his flesh, to take of his blood, the bread and the cup symbolizing these great truths of the life and death of Jesus Christ for the souls of his people. Spiritual provision is what she saw at Solomon's table the meat of his table. But not only the meat of his table, she also saw the sitting of his servants. The idea is the sitting of his servants at the table. The sitting of these servants at his table. What do we learn there? How these servants sat at this table of Solomon spoke to her of the character of the king, of the character of Solomon. Consider that. Think upon that. That it is how they attend the table that speaks to the character of Solomon. I suggest to you that this is referring to the Lord's people sitting at His table. The manner of their sitting, how they come and how they attend His table where this spiritual feast is provided for their souls. That this speaks to the character of Christ and that this was explained to this woman. Not that she just saw it all on her own, but that Solomon in his wisdom that God had given him is walking her through each of these pictures. The meat of his table. The sitting of his servants at that table. And is that not a testimony to every sinner? Is that not why we want sinners to watch what happens at the table? To see how the people of God partake of the table by faith. In the manner in which they come. Not only the sitting of his servants and the meat of his table, but the attendance of his ministers, she saw. She saw the attendance of his ministers. And what this has in mind is that she saw how his ministers served in his kingdom. And that is, serve those who were there. So we draw the parallel then. That as this woman beheld the attendance of his ministers, the servants, the service of those who were a part of this kingdom, that she beheld something of the character of Christ. She beheld something of the character of the greater than Solomon. And is that not a testimony that is, that is realized today? That sinners see something of the character of Christ in the service that his people offer. They see how they care for one another, how they treat one another. Not perfectly. We all know that. We all know that there are marrings of that testimony. But what this woman saw in the attendance of these ministers, the attendance of these servants, the way they served, spoke to her concerning the character of the king. She also saw their apparel. The attendance of his ministers and their apparel. We know 
Christ tells the story of the great wedding feast and how those who were not in the right robe, in the right garment at the wedding feast were cast out. And I suggest to you that by saying and their apparel that Solomon would have explained to this woman that this apparel, this garment that they were wearing typified Christ's righteousness provided for His people. Christ's righteousness, their apparel. Because what are all the citizens of His kingdom wearing? What is every citizen of Christ's kingdom clothed with? It is His righteousness. That is the requirement. That is the garment that those must wear, that they must wear in this kingdom is His righteousness. His cupbearers. His cupbearers. And what that has in mind is that these were the servants to the king particularly. That they served the king himself. And as this woman beheld this, she saw the character of the king and those who had a, a, a special, particular service to him. And finally, his ascent. His ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord. Now, his ascent can be translated another way. It can be translated burnt offering. And I would suggest that it should be translated burnt offering. I say that humbly. I'm just a student. <laughs> and I don't mean to correct the translators, but I, I cannot see it as just being his ascent as in a manner that he, he went by a certain way to the house of God because the, the whole point of this, the whole context of this as I believe I've established from our Lord's testimony, is this is her conversion to Christ. And it wasn't just the way that he went, but it's what he did. It's what went on at the Lord's house. And so, as it's translated burnt offering, the idea is that she saw the burnt offerings that went on at the house of the Lord. And so we see there that she learned about the sacrifices of the temple and who they pointed to. And then, does it not make all the more sense when we end that verse, there was no more spirit in her. Her breath was taken away by all that she saw, by the activity of this kingdom that pointed to the character of Christ. Her breath was taken away. She's breathless. What can you say to all that she's seen? She's breathless. So Christ will satisfy the sinner by His character. The sinner will be satisfied by Christ's character. But also Christ will satisfy the sinner's expectations. There will never be a sinner that comes to Christ that will be disappointed. That can never happen. Praise the Lord. Christ will satisfy the sinner's expectations. We see that in this woman. In verse 6, she said to the king, It was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed not the words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. A true report. The half was not told me. Her expectations were greatly exceeded. They were exceeded because His wisdom will exceed all that any sinner could expect. Verse 6. I heard in mine own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. There is nothing that can prepare a sinner for the experience of Christ's wisdom. It can be told. You can describe the wisdom of Christ to a sinner. But no man could ever do justice to the felt wisdom. To the actual experience of Christ's wisdom coming home to
to the heart. That's what this woman experienced. It was a true report. But now she's seen it for herself. So their sinner, their, the sinner's expectations will be satisfied because his wisdom will exceed all they can expect. But also because his acts will exceed all they can expect. It wasn't only the wisdom that she had heard of, but she'd heard of his acts, what he had done. And as we look to the greater than Solomon, can you not see the parallel of Christ's acts exceeding the sinner's expectations? What acts could exceed someone's expectations more than seeing the acts of the Lord Jesus Christ done in behalf of His people? You can be told about Christ's acts, but that is only the beginning. You can imagine it. You mean to tell me that Christ on the basis of His finished work on the cross, becoming a curse for His people, suffering and dying and bleeding for His people. On the basis of that work, He offers me salvation from sin and eternal death apart from any merit of my own. Those are His acts. And a sinner can be told that and be interested By that. But when a sinner comes to the realization of that, what Christ has done for the souls of his people, then they will say, It was a true report that was told me. It was a true report that was told me. Not only will his acts exceed their expectations, but Their expectations will be satisfied because His riches will exceed all they can expect. Verse 7. Howbeit I believed not the words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Prosperity. His riches. And oh, how the riches of Solomon pale in comparison to the riches of our Lord Jesus Christ. When a sinner comes to faith in Christ, then they will begin to experience the spiritual riches that Christ has purchased for His people. We read in Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. All spiritual blessings. That is what Christ has purchased for His people. All spiritual blessings. That is His prosperity that He provides for His people. And when she saw that, it was far beyond anything. When when this was explained to her, it was far beyond anything she could have expected. Truly then, when a sinner has begun to experience this, they will say, the half was not told me. The half was not told me. Is that not your testimony tonight if you're in Christ? That it was a true report that I heard about Christ. And the half was not told me. Perhaps you could even say, I haven't even experienced the half of what there is to be had in Christ. Christ will satisfy the sinner's expectations as He satisfied all who are in Him. We see this illustrated in John chapter 4, don't we? John chapter 4 the account of the woman at the well. What does she do? Verse 39 begins and says, Many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, He told me all that I ever did. 
It was this woman's testimony that brought these Samaritans to engage with Christ. They had to see it for themselves. And so they come. It says, So when the Samaritans, verse 40, were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. The half was not told them, but they found out for themselves. Every sinner here tonight that is lost, if there is a sinner here that is lost, don't wait to come to Christ. Don't rest in what people have told you about Christ. Come and experience Him for yourself. Christ will satisfy the sinner to the point of praise. He will not only exceed their expectations and satisfy them, but Christ will satisfy the sinner to the point of praise. Verse 9, verse 8 and 9. Happy are thy men. Happy are these thy servants, which stand continually before thee and that hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighteth in thee to set thee on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord loved Israel forever, therefore made he thee king to do judgment and justice. There was praise for Christ. Praise because she saw, happy are thy men, happy are these thy servants. That they stand continually before thee and that hear thy wisdom. And they stand continually before thee because they're happy, they're content with you. And is that not the testimony of the sinner when they see Christians that are standing before Christ, hearing his wisdom, happy in him, content in him? There's praise for Christ from the sinner. Is there any other spirit-authored response that can take place when looking upon Christ, the greater than Solomon? So there was praise for Christ. Then there's praise to God for Christ. That is what will come from the sinner that's been satisfied to the point of praise. Praise to God for Christ. Blessed be the Lord thy God. Blessed be the Lord thy God. Which delighted in thee. Oh, how much more God delighted in Christ than Solomon. How God delighted in Christ because He is perfect. And he set him on the throne of Israel. And how could a sinner who has realized what God's people have in Christ do anything else besides praise God for Christ? How could there be any other thing to do? Because the Lord loved Israel. He made Solomon king because the Lord loved sinners. Because the Lord loved you. Therefore made he Christ king. Not only praise for Christ, not only praise to God for Christ, but praise by offering. Christ satisfies the sinner to the point of praising him by offering. Is that not what we see in verse 10? And she gave the king an hundred and twenty talents of gold and spices, very great store and precious stones. There came no more such abundance of spices as these which the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. To the point of offering all that the sinner has. Christ 
brings that response because he satisfies the sinner to the point of praise. And all you want to do when you come to Christ and you receive in him all the satisfaction that there is for the soul, all you want to do is give him everything. Is it not? All you want to do is give him everything. And everything you have so pales in comparison to what He has given you. Not only praise by offering, but praise by prayer. What other response could there be? She gives all that she has to King Solomon as he typifies Christ. In verse 13 says, And King Solomon gave unto the queen of Sheba all her desire whatsoever she asked. Now why would a queen with all her supply ask anything from this man? Because she realized how much more he had. And as you sit here tonight and contemplate this, keep this before you that Christ has more than anything that you have outside of Him. That's why even a queen, a king, a president, whoever it is, comes and asks from Christ, the greater than Solomon. Now, we don't know what all she asked, It says all her desire whatsoever she asked. And you couldn't help but think that when the believer comes to Christ, the, the desires of the believer are granted. When a sinner comes to Christ and believes on Him and realizes to come and to ask all their desires from Him, that He will grant them Because there's been a change of the heart. The desires have changed because there's been a change of the heart. Is that not what we see in Psalm 37, 4? Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. This woman came. She delighted in Solomon as he typified Christ. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And lastly, Christ will satisfy the sinner with his bounty. Christ will satisfy the sinner with his bounty. Because at the end of verse 13, it says, After Solomon gave her all her desire, whatsoever she asked, beside that which Solomon gave her of his royal bounty. Solomon gave her of his royal bounty. And what do we see there concerning Christ? We see there that Christ satisfies the sinner with His bounty. What is His bounty? What has Christ earned for His people? Well, as I've already said, He has earned heavenly riches for His people. But sometimes we forget this, that not only is it heavenly riches, but it's earthly goods that Christ has earned for His people. Earthly goods that Christ has earned for His people. We read in Matthew chapter 6 of the provision that God makes for His people in Christ. That as they seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. What are all these things? Well, in verse 25 of Matthew chapter 6, he says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Verse 32, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Now we know that earthly provision is not a a solid motive for coming to Christ. But nevertheless, it is a benefit to all those who come to Christ. 
That He meets their needs as it fits His purpose. That as they seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, He provides all these necessary things, food and raiment. So Christ will satisfy the sinner with His bounty. He's earned earthly goods. He's earned heavenly riches for every believer. What applications can we make from this account of the Queen of Sheba's conversion? What are we to do? What are we to see and respond to based on her conversion? Well, the first thing is that she is a testimony to sinners who reject Christ. She is a testimony to sinners who reject Christ. That is how our Lord made use of this account. In Luke eleven thirty one, he says that she will rise up in the judgment and condemn those that have rejected Christ, the greater than Solomon. And so if you're a sinner here tonight outside of Christ and you're rejecting Christ, you've never come to Christ, take heed to this woman's testimony for she is a testimony against you. She is a testimony that you'll be condemned in the day of judgment for not coming to Christ. Because you know more of the greater than Solomon than even she did. For those here, you have the full body of God's revelation. You have the very words of Jesus Christ that were spoken while He was on this earth. And yet, yet, you will not believe them and come to Him for the salvation of your soul? The Queen of Sheba shall rise up in the judgment and condemn your unbelief. She's a testimony to sinners who reject Christ. But also, she is a testimony to believers of what we have in Christ. She's a testimony to believers of what we have in Christ. She's a testimony that we have communion, unhindered communion with Christ. In verses 2 and 3, we see that. That the, the Queen of Sheba was able to come and commune with Solomon of all that was in her heart. And every believer has that in Christ. Unhindered communion with Him. To come to Him with all that is on our hearts. The believer has in Christ provision for the soul. Provision for the body. And we saw all that in verse 5. In verse 13, provision for the soul, provision for the body. We come to Christ as the wisdom of God We come to Him because He is our righteousness, wisdom, and sanctification and redemption. Every believer has a true report concerning Christ to share with the lost. Does she not testify to that? Solomon's servants went and spread the fame of his name concerning the name of the Lord. And this woman was a recipient of that message. And she says in verse 6, It was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. And what greater motivation does a believer need to share that true report? This woman was stirred by God to come and experience this report for herself. And she testified that what she had been told was a true report. You, like the woman at the well, come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Believers have Contentment in Christ, do they not? Happy are thy men, happy are these thy servants, which stand continually before thee and that hear thy wisdom. Happy are thy men. 
It doesn't mean life is always dandy for a believer. But it means that as we are in Christ, there is contentment in Him. The believer has in Christ the mark of the love of God. Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighted in thee to set thee on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel. It is a mark. It is a mark of God's love to the believer for Christ to be your king. And the believer is blessed beyond comprehension in Christ. Blessed with all his royal bounty. Lastly, she is a testimony for sinners to come to Christ. And that is the whole point. She is a testimony for sinners to come to Christ. If I have... Rather, I should say, I cannot convince you to come to Christ. I cannot persuade you of the satisfaction that is to be found in Christ. But can you not see it here? That there's heart satisfaction in Christ. That there's amazement to be had in Christ. That there's a true report about Christ that will exceed all your expectations for Christ. The riches that are in Christ are to be felt. They must be felt and experienced and not merely told to you. So I plead with you to come to Him. I plead with you to call upon Him that you could leave here tonight with your soul satisfied in Christ. The way this woman left with her soul satisfied in Christ, the greater than Solomon. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we come before you and plead with you, Lord, that you will use whatever has been useful, if there's been anything useful in this message, we pray, O oh God, that you will use it tonight to even stir the heart of one lost sinner to call upon Christ. Lord, we pray, have mercy on them that are gathered here tonight. Lord, we pray that you will help us to appreciate all that we have in Christ. Lord, that you would not allow us to forget that we are blessed in Him with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Lord, in a moment this service will be over. And we pray if there be one single sinner here outside of Christ, we beg Thee, O God, bring them to Him. Hear our prayers, Lord. Receive our thanks. Take away any chaff from this message, Lord. Leave only the wheat. Depart us with thy blessing, Lord. 
Help us to see more of Christ as we go through this week. Help us to experience satisfaction in the Savior. Depart us with thy blessing. Give us thy peace, which passeth all understanding. For we pray, Lord, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.